Amen, church. It's great to see all of you here this morning. Would you join me as we pray? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that as we turn now to the scripture, that you would meet us here, meet us in a powerful way. Gosh, it's incredibly powerful to be able to worship together and to sing, as Pastor mentioned a moment ago. But we know that all power to transform, all power to change lives comes through Jesus. And we believe that his word is so important in that. So help us as we come to his word. Help us to learn and to grow. Help us to become like Jesus through this time. With courage and boldness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, turn with me. Acts chapter 17. I'll read the scriptures. I'll give us a brief update on how Bethany's doing. And then we'll get into our study together today. Acts chapter 17. Pastor earlier read for us verses 1 through 4. Would you join me in listening now, starting in verse 22? Acts 17, starting in verse 22. This is the Apostle Paul in the city of Athens. Text says this, Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, This I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, he who is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. So since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals, while God has overlooked the times of human ignorance. Now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Church, this is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it's an honor to be with all of you again. As you heard, there have been some exciting things going on in the life of Bethany. I want to just share briefly about that. First of all, we are moving. We have long enjoyed the place where we have worshipped. And y'all been there. How many of you have been to services with us? We've had our fellowship. So you know the place I'm talking about. Community center. It's been a wonderful home for us. Uh, We as leaders started praying and asking God to provide a place for us, a place that we could call home. And long story short, God has provided, church. God has provided. God has provided, not just because a bunch of people got together and prayed, not because of anything we did. God did it because God is faithful. Amen? And so through a friendship that we have in our community in Kirkland, we've been invited to to share a campus of a church together. We're still going to be Bethany. They're still going to be Inglewood Presbyterian. But we are going to do two separate worship services on Sundays and we're going to do a lot of fun stuff together, George. Right. And you can tell by the smile on my face. I'm pretty excited about this. 
So you can pray for the Inglewood Church. Their pastor's name is James. Pray for him. Pray for his family. They'll be moving their worship to 11 a.m., your time, good time. Our worship will be at 9 a.m. on Sundays, and we will make that move on December the 8th. It's coming. Christmas is coming, and Bethany's move is coming. Amen. All right. Now, many of you know, uh, throughout the summer, uh, my family went on quite a roller coaster ride. Some of you know that uh, my father passed away this August. It was actually uh, on the drive down to the airport to fly down to say goodbye to my father that I talked to Pastor Kindred. He and I were supposed to go to lunch that day. And I called him and I said, listen, I know you've been praying for me. You've been praying for my dad. He's sick. That was the day, actually, church, that I found out that there was nothing more the doctors could do. And so as I went to Houston, where I grew up, to be with my father, to be with my mother, I knew the people of paradise were praying for me and praying for my family. I knew it because my friend knew about it, and I knew he wouldn't just sit on it. I knew he would tell the church. And I know, and you know this too, that when we face things like that, when that crisis comes, when we do not know what to do, when the church is praying for you, it's like, the way I describe it is, it's like God is holding you up. He is putting his hand behind your back saying, no, 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 you can do this. I'm, I'm with you. I got you. And church, I felt your hands. All right. I felt the hands of Jesus and they were your hands and they were your prayers and they were your encouragement and they were the thoughtful card that you sent to me and they're the continued prayers for myself and for my mother and for my family. So thank you Amen. for walking with us through that time. Y'all were there. Y'all were there. That's, that's, that's exactly what I would say about that. I also want to congratulate Paradise Baptist Church. Y'all got a tiny house. <laughs> That's awesome. I love your tiny house. It is so great. If you've not had a chance to see it yet, church, there's some pictures right over here to my left, your right. And Paradise worked and put together some money, and they helped provide a home for a person in need, a person that might otherwise not have a place to sleep at night. And that house and that ministry is y'all's, and I'm so thankful for that. So congratulations on your tiny house. What a joy to be able to celebrate God's work among each of you. Church, I want you to pick up the Bible right in front of you and just hold it up for me. Just pick it up, hold it up. Yep, you got your Bible in a nice carrying case. You got that one? Awesome. Thank you, church. You can put those down. Now, what we just did might seem real common. Like, Pastor, I pick up my Bible all the time. I picked it up this morning. I've been picking it up through service. You need to know, church, that what you just did is actually extraordinary. To be able to have the Bible, to be able to have your hands on a copy of what we believe is the Word of God by faith, that is extraordinary. I don't need to tell you this, but there are churches all over the world who meet in secret, who meet in very dark, very quiet places, the church in China, the church in other parts of the world, where you cannot worship Jesus. You are not allowed to do this. You are not allowed to do what we just did. But we have the Word of God. We have it. And what I want to talk to you all about today, and what I want to reference in the scriptures is, the word of God changes people's lives. I want to say it like this, church. You can say it back to me if you want to say it. The world needs the word. Will you say that with me? The world needs the word. I'm going to say the first part, the world, and you say the second part, needs the word. The world needs the word. One more time. The world needs the word. We're going to see how the Apostle Paul brought this to life in the text we just read. My hope for each of us is that we leave this day so excited about the gift of God's Word, about the freedom we have with God's Word. It is not a coincidence, church, that the front cover of your bulletin today is talking all about God's Word. Can you find that bulletin? That ain't no coincidence, right? Like somebody pointed that. We are going to talk about why God's Word gives life, 
why it reaches into people's hearts, and why our world desperately needs the Word of God. The world needs what, church? The world needs the Word. We're going to talk about that. So we're going to do a little outline here. We're going to set the scene, what in the world's happening in Acts 17. We're going to talk about how the Apostle Paul listened and responded. He listened to what was going on around him, and he responded. And then we're going to talk about our next step. So let's set the scene, okay? Acts chapter 17, book of Acts is a history of the early church. Our ancestors, people that went thousands of years before us in faith, this is their story. This is what God has been doing through them. And so we follow the Apostle Paul, one of the leaders of the church, on this road that he's taking. This ain't no vacation. This is work for him. He is walking along dusty roads on the shores of ancient Greece. Now, the text tells us earlier that Paul was going to different places. What would he do when he went places, church? He would talk to people about Jesus. He had one goal. Since he came to faith in Christ, since God, remember this, knocked him off his horse, the scales fell from his eyes when he was transformed, the one thing he wanted for the rest of his life was for other people to be transformed. For other people to experience, maybe not exactly what he experienced, but something like it. And so God called him all over the Mediterranean, all over the ancient Near East, and he comes to these towns, and he shows up in town, he looks around, he goes, who do I need to talk to about Jesus, Lord? You ever show up somewhere and ask God that question, church? You go to the post office, you go to the grocery store, you go to the coffee shop, you go, who... God, who who do you want me to talk to about Jesus? It might be scary for you. It might not be something that you feel equipped to do, that you feel enabled to do. Church, if you held up your Bible a moment ago, you are equipped. I'll say that again. If you held up your Bible a moment ago, you are equipped to go and tell people about Jesus. Maybe not just like the Apostle Paul did. We'll talk about how masterfully he talked to them and how he argued his way into their lives. Maybe not quite like him, but church... You are equipped. You turn to your neighbor and say, you are equipped. You are equipped. equipped. That Bible you got, the faith that you have, you are equipped. Paul goes to different towns. And here's the funny thing about Paul. We like to think of Paul maybe as this superhero, right? He's got a Superman emblem on his chest. He's coming in there. He's going to convert everybody. If you read the text, church, Paul goes one for three at bat. He's batting 300. Now, here's what happens. He goes to Thessalonica which is a town kind of further inland, and they don't really want to hear it. They don't really want to hear it. Maybe you've had a conversation like this too. You try to talk to a coworker, you try to talk to a neighbor about Jesus, and they go, no, 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 I don't want that. Well, guess what? You're in good company. The Apostle Paul had the same thing happen to him. Does he give up? Does he quit? No. What does he do? He trips on down the road to Berea, the next town. Guess what happens at Berea? People listen. The text tells us they awaken to the word of God. They hear what Paul has to say. They hear what God is speaking through him. So he goes from Thessalonica, feeling not so good, tail between his legs, walking down the road. And then he goes to Berea and he sees people hungry for the word of God. Now, what do you do, church, when you feel successful, when you feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. Like, I nailed that guitar. Like, that was awesome. Like, here we go. You do the next big thing. You go on and you say, I'm You know what? If that was what God did over there, then I want to go over there. I want to go to the next place. And the next place for the Apostle Paul is the city of Athens. Mm -hmm. Athens ain't no little town. This is a big city. Paul goes to two places when he shows up to Athens. Text tells us he goes to the synagogue and he goes to the marketplace. 
Both of those things are not an accident. He wasn't just wandering through town, where should I show up? He goes to the synagogue because he knew, as a Jew, he could talk to the people. He could talk the talk. He could say, hey, you know that thing? We read about it when we were in school, when we were learning the scriptures. He could talk the talk. You say that with me? Talk the talk. He could talk the talk at the marketplace, church. You know what Paul's real job was? He wasn't a pastor full-time. He was a tent maker. That was his job. So where does a tent maker go to sell his tents? They ain't got no Amazon. He's going to the marketplace. So he can talk the talk of the people of the marketplace. He can talk the talk of the people of the synagogue church. Where do you go to talk the talk? Because every one of you, when you held up your Bible a moment ago, you admitted this. You are equipped. You may not feel equipped, but you are equipped. And wherever you talk the talk, whether it's your job, whether it's retirement, you go to play bridge, whether it's your coffee shop every day, wherever you go to get your breakfast, you are equipped for that place and for those people. Because what, church? The world needs... Say it with me. The world needs... That's it, church. Guess who God's counting on? You. You got a place to go. Let me offer you this encouragement. This is very practical. If you feel like the people around you are like the people in Thessalonica, they are not going to hear it. They want nothing to do with Jesus. They want nothing to do with any of that. May I suggest that you pray for that place that you go to, that you picture it in your mind in prayer and you say, God, I go to this coffee shop every day. I go to the beauty salon every day. I go here. I go there. Would you use me there? I'll tell you one of the places that has been an absolutely incredible place in my life to talk to people about Jesus. Not that I do this every day, but that I'm hoping to. It's my kid's school. When I pick my kids up, when I drop them off, when I'm talking with other parents, hey, how's it going? How was your weekend? It is amazing how many times people are just open to talking about something deeper than sports and the weather. Amen? If we show up, if we pray, if we ask God, look, I'm going to be here anyways. Would you help me show up in a way that honors you? Watch what God will do, church. Watch what God will do. You want a homework assignment? Your homework is to go home and to pray over the places you go every single day. And pray for the people you see every day. And pray for your neighbors. I know some of you already do, but let us be the kind of church that prays for the places we go to. Amen? Now, Paul is going around in uh, this journey that he's on in Acts. He is trying to tell people about Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to go through the text that I read for you very, very quickly. Paul shows up, and the first thing he does, first thing he does, this is verses 19 through 20 and 22. I won't read it for us, but you can just follow along. This is where Paul practices something that is lost in our day. He shows up, and he is kind. He is civil to the people around him. He doesn't show up to the Athenians and say, okay, you're all idiots, you're all jerks, you don't understand this. He doesn't do any of these obnoxious things that have become so common in our culture. He shows up and he says, Athenians, you worship God. I see that you are very religious. He's not buttering them up. He's not complimenting them to try to make a sale. He's recognizing something true. Would we as the church have the courage to say to our friends, look, I I see that you care about God. I see that you care about justice. I see that you care about your neighborhood. I see you, I see you, I see you. Our world is expecting the church to do this. 
We don't see you. We don't, we, we don't know what's going on with you. May we be the kind of people that take that off and say, no, I do see you. I do see what's going on. I may not understand it fully, but I see what's going on. Paul practices civility. Church, a kind word goes a long way. Yeah. Does it not? Yeah. Does our world not need a kind word? Yeah. May we be the people that do that. And look at the way that God uses this. Continue on in the text with me. Verses 22 and 23. Fascinating thing that Paul says. He says this to the Athenians. What you therefore worship is unknown. This I proclaim to you. The message translation says this, kind of a paraphrase of it. Paul says this, I was fascinated by all the shrines that I came across, and then I found one inscribed to the God nobody knows. I'm here to introduce you to this God. Now, is that arrogant? Is that presumptuous? Not if it's true. It is not arrogant to say to someone, I see what you're searching for. May I offer you something to consider? If it's true, it is not arrogant. Paul goes on. Let me introduce you to this God so you can worship him intelligently and so you can know who you're dealing with. In Paul's day, the people who worshiped gods and goddesses, they did not think of them as nice, as friendly, as loving. Anything we associate with the God of the Bible, the God revealed in Jesus Christ. In this day, these people that Paul was talking to, no, 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 no. These are the people who believed gods were angry, Gods were vengeful. You had to make sacrifices to appease God. Otherwise, God was going to drop a piano on you. Amen? Think about the book of Jonah. When Jonah runs away from God, he hooks up with the fisher, the sailors that put him on the boat, and the storm comes, and what do those sailors say to him? Hey, which God do you worship? Your God's mad at us. We need to appease your God. That's what these people are thinking. So they're after God, but their map is turned sideways, right? Yep. You ever been trying to drive somewhere and you're going, oh, I just, I just need to turn this thing around, or your phone needs to turn around, right? That's what's happening here. Paul is saying to them, you, you got the right map, you just got it turned sideways. Gods and goddesses all over the place, not friendly, not loving, familial. But Paul says to them, there is a God who loves you. Yeah. There is a God who calls you family, calls you beloved. That's verses 24 and 25. Paul says this to them. God doesn't need you to make stuff for him. This is where he talked about the human hands piece. He doesn't need big glorious churches. He doesn't need any big building. He doesn't need gold and silver because he has made all things. And that's where Paul gets to the gospel. And he's saying this, but he's not really saying it. You got to listen for it. He says, this is not about what people can do for God which would have been completely out of the ordinary for all the people that he was talking to in this day. Wait, wait, wait. I got to keep God's happy. I got to make sacrifices. I got to make sure I show up to this and I do this and I do this. Church, that is not the gospel. It it can't be the gospel. Because the gospel is not about what we have done, ever. We need to be obedient. We need to show up. We need to give. We need to serve. I'm not saying all that's not true. What I'm saying is, The gospel is never about what you and I have done. It can only be about what Jesus Christ has done. It can only be about his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. Because if we ever tried to bank on our own credibility, that's tough. You want me to tell you about my credibility? Oh, man. 
Let me tell you how dark my heart is sometimes. Let me tell you how broken I can be with my wife, with my children. Let me tell you all the places where I fail. And then if I try to make my track record worth something, that ain't going to get me anywhere. It's like trying to fill up your car with Coca-Cola. It ain't going to go. But if we say it is Jesus Christ's goodness and his power and his resurrection, that's my worth. That's where I have a firm footing. That's what, that's what Paul is saying to these people. Guys, don't try to make something for God. Come to God. Yeah. Just come to Him. Yeah. Learn about the worthiness of Jesus Christ. Adopt that as your worthiness. Be transformed. That's what He's inviting them to. And you can just hear their head spinning. But you know this, church. The world needs the Word. Yeah. The world needs the Word. And you know how Paul is able to make this presentation of the gospel so powerful? I'll tell you. I'm going to hold up my left hand when I say something from what Paul said in the book of Acts. And then I'm going to hold up my right hand when I say which Bible verse Paul is referencing. Did you hear Paul quote any scriptures in here? Did you hear him say, now in the book of Genesis, it's like blah, blah, blah. He doesn't, but he did. He doesn't, but he did. Everything Paul has said that I have just read to you is from the scripture. So left hand is up, Acts 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it. He says that to the Athenians. Guess where that comes from, church? Genesis chapter 1. He's telling them without telling them. Left hand's up, verse 25. That whole bit about human hands. God doesn't need people to make stuff for him. Guess where that comes from? Psalm 50, Isaiah 66. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Is he quoting scripture to them or is he telling them the scripture? He's telling them the scripture. Verse 26, from one ancestor, all of our ancestors came. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Genesis 2 and 3. Genesis 12, when Abraham is called by God, I will make your ancestors as numerous as the sand on the sea. Paul is quoting the Bible. Paul knew the Bible. Church, you got a Bible? then you are useful in God's kingdom. You are equipped, church, and it is all building up. This whole argument that Paul is making builds up to verse 27. God is not far from each one of us. Who is he talking about, church? What's the right answer to every question? Jesus Christ. He's talking about John 1. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He's talking about Luke 1 and 2. You shall have a son and his name will be Emmanuel, which is God with us. He's telling them, church, he ain't quoting it to him, but he's telling them. Your life, my life, can be like that. And I look at it, y'all, I look out at these faithful saints here at Paradise and the faithful saints of Bethany, and I, I see it. I do. I see your life bending in this direction. I see your life displaying the scripture to others. I see it because the only way God would continue to pour out his mercy and grace, which he is doing here at Paradise, is if the people were faithful to him and were living their lives as best they could by his word. Amen? Amen. Y'all wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. We wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. And that's not about us doing something right. It's about God being good to us. Amen? Amen. So how do we apply this? What can we do with our lives? How can we respond to this? Church, what are we saying? The world 
needs the word. Say it with me. The world needs the word. There we go. Say it like you mean it. The world needs the word. Who's going to do it? You are. We are together. God is going to do this through us. How do we do this together? First, you got to listen. Paul started off by being kind and by listening. When's the last time you talked to someone who saw their life, their faith, very, very different from you? You don't need to look too far. They're, they're walking right by on the street, guys. You don't got to go shaking no tree. They're right there. You gotta, they're right there. You got people right in your community. Paul knew it. He knew he could talk to people. God is not far from you. And you know what? Here's what you got to do, church. We already talked about this. Pray for your community. Pray for those places you go to where you talk the talk. And here's what I'd like to do. I would love to see this happen as we go to fellowship in a little while. I would love for the saints of paradise and the saints of Bethany to share with one another, sit at table together and say, I'm going to pray for my son's school this week. I'm going to pray for my barista this week. I'm going to pray for my workplace, for that guy that talks to me every time at the coffee maker. Man, I just want to get my coffee, but he keeps talking, so I better listen. Name that. Ask the person sitting with you at lunch to share that with you. So pray. The other, another thing, you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. Do you think the Apostle Paul just tripped and fell into those scriptures? Like, oh, well, that was a nice thing I just said. I wonder where that came from. He knew the scripture, y'all. He was a rabbi. He was trained. And, and don't let that be an intimidating thing. What it meant was is he so surrounded himself with the scripture that it formed him. It shaped him. You read something enough. You study it enough. You pray it enough. It goes down deep. It'll connect from your head to your heart. So church, spend time reading the scripture. Spend time in your Bible studies. There are a lot of different ways to get after the scripture. There are wonderful things you can use on your phone to listen to the scripture, audio versions of the Bible. I love listening to the scripture when I'm driving somewhere. I like to write out the scripture. Anybody else do this? You read it and it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. But if you write it down, if you kind of use your own pen, it just sticks a little bit more. Let me encourage y'all. Find ways to get into the word. Finally, remember this. You can rest in God's word. You can rest in his word. Here's what I mean by that. I mentioned earlier that my father passed away this summer. And he was a follower of Jesus Christ most of his adult life. My mother, wow. He was sick. He had cancer. He was sick for about a year, but he was really sick for about six weeks. And then he passed on August 11th. And it was terrible. There's no other way to describe it. It was, it was just awful to see a man who loved Jesus, who had given his life to him, who had changed so many people's lives just to be sick and not able to do what he wanted to do. But every day, if you walked into my father's hospital room at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas, you would have seen him in his bed. You would have seen my mother sitting right next to him. And you would have seen her Bible. And she would read to him. And when it got real bad at the end, when it was time for him to go, when the doctor said there's no more we could do, over and over and over again, my mother read Psalm 91 to my father. If you're looking for something to read this week, pick up Psalm 91, where it talks about the Lord as your protector. He will bring you under his wings. It's a glorious psalm. And for my mom and my dad, and for my family too, 
that psalm became this touch point for us where we could go, you know what? This is awful. We're not denying that this is awful. Nobody wants this. But the Lord is gracious. He is compassionate. And we need to be reminded of that when everything around us says something else. Amen? Amen. So Psalm 91, my mom read it to my dad over and over and over again. Read it all the way until he passed. And then at his memorial service, we read Psalm 91 and we had it in the bulletin. And I had a chance to to say a little message at my dad's memorial. It was an honor to get to do so. And what I told people was, in your bulletin is Psalm 91. And I want you to take it home. I don't want to see these bulletins in the recycle bin. I want you to take that psalm home with you. And I want you just to put it somewhere where you can see it. Because I knew how much of a comfort that had been to my mother and my father and to me. And I wanted other people to have that comfort. Do we not, church, want the people around us not just to know the comfort, but to know the love and the grace and the joy of Jesus Christ? Amen? And so I said, just take this psalm home, cut it out of your bulletin, and put it somewhere where you can see it every day. Well, about a month later, I'm at my mother-in-law's house, and guess what's taped up to her refrigerator? Psalm 91. She was there. And I'd I'd forgotten that that was in the bulletin. It had been a little bit since I read it. But I saw it taped up on her fridge, and I went, oh, man. And I don't know what the word is doing in her life, but it's doing something. And I don't know what Psalm 91 is going to do in each of our lives this week, but it's going to do something. And I don't know where God has called you, the people that you are responsible for, the neighborhood here, this beautiful historic neighborhood right here in South Seattle, Rainier Beach. God has called you, Paradise, to be a people who bring the word into the world. Can you do that? You want to do that? Bethany, we going to do that up in Kirkland, up in Finn Hill? We going to do that? Let's say amen. Amen. This is our calling. Because what, church? The world... Needs the word. Say it with me one more time. The world needs the word. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for this time. Thank you that the word is true. And it's not just true in our minds. It's true in a way that changes our hearts, changes us. Lord, we've been in this friendship, this fellowship now for a couple years, and you have changed us. You've changed paradise. You've changed Bethany because we know about one another, and we know that you are doing something mighty. And so, Father, we could come up with all kinds of ideas, we could, we could try different things, but what we want is to be people who faithfully follow Jesus Christ and share his word. And our world so desperately needs to hear it. There are so many lost and broken and isolated people. And God, we can't reach your word and not want to reach it. So help us, each in our own way. Help us to, to shake what's in front of us, to take the fruit, Lord, to see the good work that you are doing in each of our lives. And so, God, as we continue in worship, would you be glorified and may the word sink down deep into each of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, say amen. Amen. Let us all stand.